Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all here gathered this morning. Uh, My name is Jesse Holmes. I serve as the discipleship pastor here at Crawford Avenue, and I will be beginning our series in Luke chapter 1. So this morning we'll be looking at Luke chapter 1, specifically verses 26 through 38. So if you're using one of the black Bibles in front of you, you can turn to page 855 and 856. That's Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. And it reads, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever." And his, of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How would this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who, is, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for this season that we get to turn our hearts, our minds, our attention to Jesus Lord, we ask that you will bless our time right now as we walk through this text. Will you give us great understanding, and will you help us to apply the truths found in this text so that your name might be known among the nations? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I have to be honest, Christmas is my favorite season of the entire year. And it's not because of the great sales at the stores that you can go buy stuff. Uh, It's not because you can, like, show people how much you care about them by giving them gifts. Uh, It's not just because of how beautiful things look, because you get to decorate things. It's really because Jesus is everywhere during this season. Unlike any time in the entire year, you look around, and whether they are a believer or not, Jesus is like circling around them, out of their mouths, going in their ears, through songs on the radio, through signs that are hung up. It's just hard to get away from Jesus. And so they hear joy to the world, and they can't help but to join in to sing that. And they hear that Jesus is the reason for the season. And so that means that during this season, it's like so easy to share the gospel. I mean, it's like a whole bunch of fish in a little barrel. Because the Lord has set it up that Jesus' name is everywhere. The problem is that people don't know who Jesus really is. And so in one sense, evangelism is so easy for us as believers who know the true Jesus, and yet it's difficult for us because it requires boldness to share. However, for us as believers, it's easy to allow this season to come and go, 
to get caught up in the craziness of preparing for family to come, figuring out presents to go by, figuring out who's going to go where and at what time. And it's just easy also for the Christmas story to just come in one ear and go out the other. It's easy for this Christmas story to become stale to our own ears. And unfortunately, I myself at times have found and during this season that I can't wait to hear like just something different. Instead of the same old story preaching in Matthew and Luke, like I would love to hear a pastor just do something different in talking about the birth of Jesus. Man, that's pretty messed up because there is nothing like the story of Jesus and his birth. And so no matter how many times we hear the story over and over again, year in after year out, for us as believers, this is the greatest story that we could hear. And we should never get tired of hearing it. Keeping in mind that Luke is writing this account to a friend, proclaiming the truths about Jesus. And where does Luke begin? He begins with Jesus' birth and the announcement of his birth. And so for us as believers, this is a story that we should look forward to and that we should practice rehearsing all the time because in this story is the truth of the gospel. And so this morning, we'll be looking at this passage in Luke. Uh, It's entitled, The Joyful Announcement. But we want to answer this one question this morning. Why is this announcement joyful? Why is this announcement joyful? Now, we will answer that, that question, why is this joyful announcement, uh, why is this announcement joyful, by also asking three other questions. So we got lots of questions today. But good news, if you're taking notes, these three questions serve as the points to the sermon. So our first point and our first question as we're looking at this joyful announcement and trying to understand why is this announcement joyful, we want to ask the question, who is the announcement about? Who is the announcement about? Let's look back at verses 30 and 31. And the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a very unremarkable city. We learned in John that there's some that even question, can anything come out of Nazareth? To a woman preparing herself to be married that's not known by anyone, and the angel declares a message of grace. Twice the angel lets Mary know that the grace of God is on her, indicating that Mary has done nothing in it of herself to deserve this announcement or to, de- to earn what God is now about to do. So Mary, this unknown woman in this unknown city, hears a message from God, and this is the announcement of grace. It is that she will have a boy and that his name will be called Jesus. And so the announcement is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. As I was studying this text and trying to think through, there's so much in here to talk about. What do I, like, nail down on? There's all these different pieces. It hit me. It's about Jesus. And for us as believers, may we never look for other things to talk about and to preach about and to celebrate apart from Jesus Christ. Well, why is that? What is the significance about Jesus being born and about this baby boy that Mary is about to have? Well, we learn about this in Matthew's account. 
Uh, in Matthew, the angel goes to Joseph in a dream to prepare him for what is about to happen. And so during this dream in Matthew chapter 1, this is what the angel says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The reason why this announcement is joyful is because Jesus, by declaring that Jesus will save his people from their sins, will hit automatically with good news and bad news. Automatically, we're hit with good news and bad news. The bad news is simply this, that we are all plagued with sin. We're born in a world damaged by sin. We're held captive by sin. We live contrary to what pleases God, and there is nothing in and of ourselves that will set us free from this captivity. The good news in Jesus Christ is this, but God has seen the despair of his people and has provided a way out of this captivity to live a life that brings glory to God, and that way is Jesus Christ. He and he alone provides salvation from the bondage of sin. And so for us as believers, the announcement points us to the fact that there is hope found in Jesus and Jesus alone. The only way that man can be saved, the only way that man can be set free from the bondage of sin, the only way that man might be free from captivity of sin is by Jesus Christ. And it is the Lord's doing and is pleasant in his sight. And so our question is very simple. Who is the announcement about? It's about Jesus, but that answer carries lots of great weight for us. Because when we hear the name Jesus, we should think of two things. We should think of our helplessness because of sin on our help provided by a great Savior. Next question. What does the announcement reveal about Jesus? So we understand that the announcement is focused on Jesus. It's about Jesus, but there's some other details about Jesus that's recorded here by Luke about him. So look at 32 through 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, the answer to this question actually builds on the last one. What makes Jesus such a big deal? Why do we go crazy about Jesus? Why do we want to lift up the name of Jesus? The reality being that we are dead in our sin, and salvation and life is only granted through belief and faith in Christ Jesus. But how is this so? Like, how, how, how is this true? What Luke does right here is he gives us a five-fold description of who Jesus is. And with this five-fold description, what it does is it supports the answer to the first question. So we understand that the announcement is about Jesus, and Jesus is a big deal because of sin and salvation, but there's more facts behind that. First, we see that he will be great. In verse 32, he will be great. Now, to fully understand what the angel is saying, we must think beyond our use of the word great. Uh, We often use this word to share how we feel, to express what we think, uh, also to describe frosted flakes as being great. But in speaking of Jesus, there is more here than that. 
Normally, the word great will be accompanied by some type of qualifier. Uh, So it will be a phrase that's added to it to kind of limit its effect or its impact. So, for example, in the announcement of John's birth, John the Baptist's birth, we learn that he will be great, but he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And in other places in Scripture, we hear of someone being great, but great among men. But that's not so with Jesus. There's nothing that qualifies Jesus' greatness, which means that his greatness is absolute. He is great in and of himself. His very being and his nature are great. His rank is far above all. So that means, as, as Gabriel is declaring that Jesus will be great, he is setting Jesus high above all rule and authority and man and everyone and everything. Gabriel says that when Jesus comes on the scene, he will be great, and there's no one that compares to him. That is who he is. Second, he says that he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, the term Most High is used in the Old Testament for the one true God. Uh, we, see, we see that with Melchizedek. He uses that term Um, But it emphasizes his majesty and supremacy over all. So in short, when we hear the most high, we hear God, the sovereign ruler creator over all things. And what the text tells us is that he will be called or which also means he will be the son of God. That is who Jesus will be the Son of God. And so the announcement is declaring, is already making the connection between Jesus is not just a man being born, but he is the Son of the Most High. Whereas with John the Baptist's announcement, he is declared to be the prophet of the Most High. Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a man doing good things, but he is the son of the Most High. He is the son of God. So first we see that he will be great, and he will be the son of the Most High. Now, the next three descriptions are like saturated in Old Testament. And I was thinking through, how do I like teach through this without doing a survey of the Old Testament? And I think I got it. So, this is what he says, number three. He will be given the throne of his father, David. The reality is that what these next three descriptions are pointing to, the fact that Jesus is the Messiah or the anointed one. He is the one that the Jewish nation has been waiting for. And what they understood was that the Messiah, this conquering king, the one that will set their people free, would come from the line of David. And what the Messiah will do is bring peace in the land and set them free from their physical bondages. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, the prophet Nathan actually speaks of the Messiah. So in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning at verse 12, this is what Nathan is telling David as a way to encourage him to let him know what the Lord is about to do in his life. He says this, verse 12, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. All of this, all of this was about one that is to come. And that is one prophecy, that is one foretelling of the Messiah's coming. And what we find is that the angel is declaring about Jesus that he is the one. The one that everyone has been waiting for. The one that everyone has been looking forward to. The one that everyone has been groaning for as they've been dealing with the pain of the world that they lived in. The Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, Messiah is here. And so when he first begins by saying, we'll be given the throne of his father, David, he is declaring that he is the Messiah. Once again, pointing to Jesus as the source of salvation. And so in case that connection was not enough, he continues on. He says, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, when he says house of Jacob, what he is referring to and what it means is Israel, the people of God. And so Gabriel in his announcement is saying, Jesus will rule and reign over Israel, the people of God forever. The kings of the Old Testament came and went, but Jesus' reign will last forever. Once again, connecting him to the long-awaited Messiah that is to come. Now, you might be asking, well, what about us? Like, Israel gets this king that reigns forever. What about us as believers today? Well, Paul clarifies that in Romans. He reminds us, as Bert has already said, that we have been adopted into this family by faith in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus' reign is not just over Israel, but for all the people of God. And so if you have repented of your sin and you trust in him, his reign covers you as well. And what's beautiful is that his reign is not limited to a specific time and place, but his reign also takes place in the hearts of his believers. In us, in our hearts, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, reigns over our hearts. He rules, and his throne is right there. And finally, he says that his kingdom will last forever. And so all these kings came and gone, but for Jesus, his kingdom that he establishes will find no end. He will reign over a firmly established kingdom forever. And so as we fast forward and look at Jesus establishing his kingdom on earth, it gives us great comfort to know that what Christ Jesus has established here in this world and in our hearts will never end. What great assurance in knowing that Jesus Christ is king and king forevermore, now and until the end and beyond then. And so just as 2 Samuel says, and your house and your kingdom will be made sure forever before me, your kingdom shall be established forever. So we see right here that the announcement of Gabriel, it connects back with all these Old Testament references, specifically 2 Samuel. And we're seeing that Gabriel is pointing to Jesus being the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. Now, let's just stop and process this for a second from two perspectives. Two perspectives. First, for the Jewish nation, can you imagine, just think, for generations you have been hearing that the Messiah is coming. From generations, you've been hearing stories of the coming of the Messiah. 
Maybe at night before you go to bed, your parents is telling you the Messiah is coming. In times of suffering and pain, your hope is placed in the fact the Messiah is coming. And this announcement declares that there's a boy named Jesus, and he is the Messiah. And what great joy and celebration would come from that, knowing that the one that they have been waiting for, that they've read and heard promises about, he has come. And is this not what the apostles and disciples of old were doing as they were speaking to their Jewish brothers and sisters? They were making the connection between Jesus and the long-awaited Messiah, and those that got that connection, they believed and trusted in him. Because then the whole Old Testament made sense. Like everything in the Old Testament was a shadow of him who was to come, and as they kept asking the question, who is he, who is he, who is he, we find that it's Jesus. And now from our perspective, we are a people in search of freedom, freedom from pain and suffering, freedom from despair and fear. All of these are consequences of sin. And what this announcement declares is that the one has come that will free us from the bondage of sin and will gather us together into a kingdom where he will rule and reign forever. This is the gospel. The announcement that Gabriel is making to Mary is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reality is that this is what we want people to understand in this season. And so as you're standing in line shopping, as you're hanging out with uh, brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, and maybe they don't believe and the topic of Jesus comes up, and what we want to declare is that Jesus is the one who has come to set us free just set us free and to call us together to be with him. But we rejoice not just as a people that are looking back, but also as a people that are looking forward, a people that is existing in the now and the not yet. We are free from the bondage of sin, and yet we still suffer because of it. We still struggle against it. The same God that promised the first coming of the Messiah has promised his second coming. And on that day, he will call us into himself, and the true reality of his kingdom will be established. Praise God for Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. This is the power of the announcement. But there is one final question. There's one, one final piece to all of this that we want to understand and actually connects with what Mary has asked. The final question is, how can this be? How can this be? How is it that this baby boy that is coming from Mary, that all of these things will take place? How can it be that our hope is found in this man named Jesus? How can it be that we can place our hope and our trust in him? Now, when Mary asked this question, she is not asking out of disbelief. Now, if you go back a few passages, Zechariah is visited by an angel, and he is told that he will have a kid. He is super old, and his wife has been barren. And when he hears from this angel, he's like, I'm not sure about this. And unfortunately, his mouth was closed, which means that he could not speak until the baby was born. That is not the same way that Mary is asking this question. She is asking because she's kind of confused because she realizes that her and Mary, her and Joseph are not married. They have not been together. And that's the way that children come about. And so she's asking the question, okay, well, how will this like take place? And so it's not a question of disbelief. On the other hand, we are asking the question in a different way, from a different perspective. 
How is it that Jesus is all that the announcement proclaims? How is it possible for this baby boy to be the one that is proclaimed? And the answer is that God himself will do it. God himself will do it. Here's the reality. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he spoke everything into existence. On the sixth day, he intimately created man by the works of his hands. He had an intimate relationship with man and with woman and declared that everything was very good. As their God, as their Lord God, he established boundaries by commanding them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. However, they were deceived by Satan. They were led astray by their own desires, and they disobeyed the Lord God. This act of disobedience brought about sin and its consequences that have gone in ripple effect throughout all of time. And so yet amid the punishments that God promised and gave to uh, Adam and Eve, he promises a seed of a woman that will crush the head of the enemy that had deceived them. Since that day, earth has suffered because of sin, fear and death and pain and suffering and loneliness and despair just reigned. Yet the promise of God of that seed echoed throughout history from Abraham, who is told that he will be a father of many nations, to Moses, who is a shadow of freedom from slavery, to David, who is a shadow of a mighty king that will reign forever, a man after God's own heart, to the prophecies of Ezekiel, where God declares that he himself will save his people. This is what's echoed throughout history. And this announcement declares that what God has promised will happen by his own hand. Here, verses 34 and 35. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The phrase will overshadow you has some Old Testament implications. If you were to look back in Exodus chapter 40, verses 33 through 35, you will see the story of the tabernacle, the tabernacle which was uh, given to the children of Israel. Is they carried it around and will set it up and worship God. When the tabernacle was completed, the story tells us that a cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And so what that means, the idea of overshadow you or the cloud overshadowed the temple, what the text is telling us is that God chose that specific place for his presence to dwell and for his glory to be made known. So you see, Old Testament tabernacle overshadowed the temple, overshadowed the tabernacle. It is the presence of God being in that place for his glory to be made known. And how does he, how does the angel explain what's about to happen with Jesus? The exact same way. All of these things are true of Jesus. Who he is and what he will accomplish is solely due to the fact that God has chosen Mary to be the place for his presence and for his glory to shine forth in the form of Jesus Christ. Mary is chosen to be the vessel to bring about his presence and his glory that will reach all the nations. In other words, through Mary, God will put on flesh. 
And this is known as the incarnation. And John chapter 1 puts it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God himself declared over and over again throughout history that he was going to take care of this sin problem. And what we see is that he does it in the person, in the form of Jesus Christ. And so this announcement by Gabriel is not just an announcement, but it is the announcement. It is the announcement that everyone has been waiting for and longing for, whether they knew it or not. It was the announcement of freedom It was the announcement of being who God had created to be through the person and the work of Christ Jesus. And so God himself, through Jesus Christ, is fulfilling his promises of freedom and restoration that he promised throughout the whole Old Testament. And all of that is found in this simple announcement about the birth of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It is the gospel right here. So this is not just a story that we open up and read when it's just Christmas time. And the implications of the announcement of Jesus' birth is not limited to this week and then next week we move on from that. But our lives have been shaped around the announcement of the birth of Jesus, of the truths that are spelled out in this announcement about who Jesus is. And that is why we rejoice. And that is why we celebrate. We are rejoicing in the announcement, and in turn, we are rejoicing in the message of the gospel, a message of freedom. If there's anyone here that is not a believer, then that means that you have not repented of your sin and have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. This message of the season, don't miss it. Like, yeah, everything looks very nice, and things are on sale, and you might get gifts, But even those things are just a shadow of the reality of who Jesus is. And then when we are one in Christ, man, the the blessings and the gifts that we get, man, go into eternity. And the beauty of the decorations, man, it's just a taste of the glorious heaven that we inherited through Christ Jesus. And the niceness of people and the kindness is just a reminder of the love and the grace of God through Christ Jesus. And so don't allow this season to go by to where you don't recognize the message of freedom and hope and restoration and deliverance through Christ Jesus. But for us who are believers in this room, let us not let this season go by. Can we like leverage our family time to lift up Jesus? Can we leverage our time in the lines in the grocery store to lift up Jesus? When someone just happens to ask, man, what is this season about? Can we then like put our stuff down and say, yeah, it's gospel sharing time. Let me tell you about Jesus. Or when someone says, well, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Can we then ask the question, well, why? Why do you think Jesus is the reason for the season? The Lord has orchestrated things in our country to make sharing the gospel so easy in this season. All you got to do is just go outside, start setting something up, and when someone walks by, oh, man, your decorations are gorgeous. Hey, can I tell you why I'm setting up these decorations? And there's one who has come, and his name is Jesus. And we've been waiting for Jesus because we've been dead in our sin, separated from God, and by placing my faith in him and repenting of my sin, I have been set free. And so these beautiful decorations are just a taste of the beauty that's to come when I'm rejoicing with my God forever in glory. This is the Messiah. 
This is who this announcement is about. We understand what it means for him to be the Messiah as it connects to the Old Testament. And may we rejoice in the power and the work of God through Mary. Now understand this in closing. The main character is Jesus, right? And there's all these side characters that are playing their parts, and they're playing their parts by the grace of God. In the same way, the message of the gospel has been given to us to declare, not because of anything that we have done. We have not earned this right. We have not done anything to receive this honor, but we are called to be faithful with it. And so we have all been entrusted with the message of the gospel. And so may we leverage any and everything to make the gospel known, because Jesus is not just one who came and died a long time ago. He is the long-awaited Messiah, the one who is coming back again, and I want to make sure that everybody hears this announcement, not just the announcement of old, but the announcement of today, that Jesus Christ is King, and he reigns forever and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. And Lord, we just repent of the times that we overlook uh, the beauty of Jesus in the scriptures. And we quickly just go past the genealogies and go past the Old Testament references to get to what we want to read. But Father, we recognize that Jesus is the reason why we have a relationship with you. And we now have a responsibility to make him known to everyone around us. So, Lord, we're so grateful for this announcement. Will you help us and embolden us to make this announcement known to those around us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.